And joining me right now here on the phone line, talk all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers football as yes, they did not win yesterday, losing to Detroit in the divisional round. This guy, he watches every game. Great dude, broadcaster. Yes, Mr. Anthony Knockreiner. Knock, how you doing today? Uh, I won't lie, Mark. I'm depressed. Um, it stinks. I'm not mad or anything like that, but it just stinks when your team season ends. Um, you know, at the same time, I'm also grateful. I think this was a fun season. You look at the expectations that Tampa Bay had and what people had of the Buccaneers this season. Uh, I think you, you look at this team and they exceeded it. It was a fun ride. This last month and a half of the season that we saw this team really just take off and, and do the things that they need to. We still have a chance to win that game. You know, it sucks that Baker threw that pick. He was under a lot of pressure. I think the things that the Bucks need to do going forward are very identifiable. And I think this team can be right back in the playoffs next year as a, a better football team. So I think for me, I'm a lot more optimistic. If you were to tell me, you know, even last year, you know, after Brady leaving and all that type of stuff, I feel better today than I did last year by a mile. I'm more optimistic. I like the things that I saw. There's a lot of things to build off with this team. And I think 2024, I think we can build off this year and be even better next year. All right. Here's a tough question. How did Detroit win this game yesterday then? Interior pressure and delayed blitzes we just didn't recognize correctly. I mean, you look at Tampa and what they were able to do. Baker still threw for 350 and three touchdowns. That first interception is not on him. That's unfortunately on the future Hall of Famer Mike Evans because that ball got batted up in the air mm-hmm. and is what it is. But at the same time, I mean, just those delayed blitzes. Baker either didn't see him or we didn't account for it in the protection um, so that was a problem. And like I said, too, I think the interior offensive line needs an upgrade. I thought Cody Mount played he played well for a rookie. I think Cody Mount's going to be a guy that absolutely is going to fall the line of Ali Marpet. Uh, I think he can be that type of guy for us. And I think we just need to upgrade the offensive line in terms of we need to get a, bit, a better center. I think Hingsy's not bad, but he's not great. He's, he's an average center, and you need better play from the center position. Um, if we can get Ryan Jensen back healthy, that instantly upgrades our offensive line. Maybe we move Hainsey over to left guard or, you know, something of that sort. Or maybe we look to the draft and get that center out of Oregon. I mean, I've been reading a lot about him. And, you know, we we got to figure out what we're going to do with Ryan Jensen and what we're going to do with that center position. But we got to upgrade the interior because, again, when they weren't getting the delayed blitzes, there was still pressure coming into Baker's face. And that was the problem yesterday on that final play uh, where Baker threw the interception. He was trying to make a play in the middle of the field. Probably shouldn't have made it, but it is what it is. And uh, I think the interior offensive line has got to get better. We got to get a better pass rusher. I like Yaya Diaby, but we got to find somebody else that's a little bit younger. And you know, we also got to see if Shaq Barrett will take a restructure. I'd love to keep Shaq Barrett, but for the money that we're paying him, we're just not getting the production right now. And I think if we can restructure him and and, and sign somebody, or, or you know, maybe even add a draft guy. I don't know if we would get instant results necessarily, but um, I think those are the areas that we really need to you know figure out. And I think for this team. You know, it was just that interior pressure and the outside pressure from the Detroit Lions where they were able to dial up the blitzes that really cost us because, you know, those sacks set us back so much. The first sack, we had a great drive going. The second sack, you know, uh, the second series where we had another sack that sent us backwards. It was just those types of things because I thought, honestly, we played a very good game. Defensively, it got gassed, but I, I think Tampa Bay offensively had a sound game plan. I love the way Dave Canales called it yesterday. It's just the pressure when Aaron Glenn dialed it up, it hit. Okay, how how tough was it for the defense once Jamel Dean here from Coco went out of the game there in the second half? I think it was just really tough. I think, 
I, I think Zion McCollum can be, I mean, he was really improved this season. He still needs some more growing to do, I think, to be a, a top corner. But I think it really hurt us. I mean, again, that's kind of the problem, both with Dean and Carlton Davis, is that since the Super Bowl, and, and I would even say towards the t- 2021 season, hmm. you know, just availability hasn't been there. Dean's missed multiple games over the course of the last couple of years. Carlton Davis has missed a couple of you know games over the course of the last couple of seasons as well. And so, you know, Dean played great. I thought he did a great job yesterday. He needed to catch the interception. That's also another problem. Like our secondary, nine picks from our DBs this year, Mark. Three of those from Antoine Winfield Jr., two of them from an undrafted free agent that came in weeks one and two. And then, you know, that, that leaves you at four picks between a couple other guys. We've got to get more production in terms of interceptions. It stinks that Jamel Dean went out that hurt, but at the same time, like I don't know what the Bucks are going to do in terms of corner. That's another area we got to address. I think Zion's a, a decent corner. Maybe he makes a better safety. I thought he did play really well in the safety role against the Eagles, but um, I think it hurt us, obviously, because that's where Detroit went to attack us. Yes. But also, too, Mark, I think you, you got exposed because you couldn't generate any pass rush. I mean, Kalijah Kansi did great, but outside of that, who was really getting close to him? And no one. I think, too, Vita Vea. Vita Vea's got to be more of a dominant force. I don't know if it's – I don't know how it gets schemed. Again, I'm not the defensive coordinator. I'm not Todd Bowles. I'm not in all those meetings. But, again, for as dominant Vita Vea can be sometimes as a nose guard, we just don't see it all the time. He could be that dominant guy just day in and day out, but it feels like sometimes he just – it doesn't quite seem like we get that all-pro effort that we could get out of him sometimes. I'm not questioning him. It's just – Vita Vea has got to be that nose guard for us to really push the pocket because Goff was able to stand there the entire time. All right. It's been five minutes. I'm going to ask Anthony Knockreiner the question. Why did they go for two points on that touchdown? I could see the reason going for two. And I don't think it's the reason that everybody thinks. I think the reason you go for two there is if you get it, now you're down by six and essentially you get a touchdown on the next drive. You either tie it with a two or, or like I said, if you get if you got that first one yesterday, which that should have been a penalty. I, don't, I didn't know face guarding was allowed. I know um, Terry was on the call and he did he liked the no call, but I'm like that's a penalty during the regular season in any postseason game, like, apparently except for that one. So I didn't quite understand that, but I think for Bowles, I like the thinking. You get the two point conversion, you're down by six, you score a touchdown, you kick the extra point for the win. I'm I, I think that was the thinking. I don't think it was really the analytics. I'm just thinking like. All right, you could tie it up, or perhaps instead of going to OT, you get the two-point conversion early, you kick the extra point for the win. And with Chase McLaughlin, I know he missed a field goal, but he's been pretty automatic this year. He had a great season. So I like him from the extra point distance. So I see it. It sucks that it didn't work. Had it worked, it would have been we're, – we're going like, man, how great a call was that for Todd Bowles to go for two? Well, why don't you call pass interference also? What was that? Like – I know. That's what I didn't understand. The bro- like, that's the thing that killed me yesterday. And again, the NFL officiating has got to get sorted out. The Frank Ragnow play where they were just wadding him at the goal line, he held Vita Vea. Chris Collinsworth is sitting there giving him praise after praise, and it's just like, no, that's a hold. That's a hold every day of the week in the pass interference that didn't get called. Like I said, I, I, don't, I didn't get the idea or the reason why how face guarding is allowed it's never been allowed. That's been a PI penalty, you know, for the last several years since they've changed and gone to incidental contact and all that stuff. Because at the very least, if it's not passing interference, it's incidental contact. Where's that penalty? So it should have been a retry at the one. Um, unfortunately, you know, the referees were off their game yesterday. The, uh, the 
the Lions were getting some favorable spots. It was quite ridiculous how favorable they were getting some spots. But it's what it is. It's not completely on the refs. But like I said, that should have been a, uh, at least the incidental contact. There should have been a replay for the two-point conversion, but there wasn't. Okay, I asked you this last week. I'm going to update the question now. Season's over. Is Baker Mayfield your quarterback week one next year? Absolutely. I think with the Bucks, like I said, that's why I feel optimistic. I think I don't, I'm hoping Dave Canales survives the coaching search. I'm really hoping Carolina doesn't take him. But Dave Canales called a great game yesterday, and I think Dave Canales needs another year. I really hope we get him for another year. And if we have success, then obviously he'll be a head coach the following season. But I would really like for us to keep Dave Canales, and if we keep Dave Canales, you've got to keep Baker Mayfield. He really thrives in Canales' system. Um, so I think that I think Baker Mayfield is definitely your QB1. And even if we do lose Dave Canales, it would be up to Todd Bowles again to find another offensive coordinator. But I think Baker is definitely your guy. I mean, again, he threw for 34 touchdowns this season. He threw three touchdowns for 350 yards. I mean, he made plays when they needed to be made. Those throws to Mike Evans on that fourth and 14, big-time throw to make that happen. The touchdown pass, absolutely fantastic. I mean, again, yeah, would you like to have that play in the middle of the field again? Yeah. But if he doesn't have pressure right in his face, he doesn't probably go there. And I think we also need a more dynamic tight end. I mean, I like Kate Otten, but I think Kate Otten's showing he's going to be a tight end, too. And we just need a better, more dynamic pass catcher. I mean, if we could have a Sam Laporta, how, how key is a Laporta to the Detroit Lions' success right now? You know, they really worked us in the middle of the field. Uh, he had a good game. We didn't play man coverage like I thought we would. But I think Baker's definitely QB1 next year. I think the priority list, if you're going to ask, and maybe I'm jumping ahead of you here, Mark, but the priority right. list for the Bucks, you re-sign Evans, you re-sign Mayfield, you re-sign Winfield, and you extend Tristan Wurst, and you try and get Levante David back on a two-year deal. And after that, you kind of figure things out. Devin White's gone. I don't think Devin White comes back to Tampa. And would you cry if he left? No, not at all. No. I mean, let's face it, he's a liability in coverage. He's been a liability since 2021. He had a tremendous 2020 uh, playoff run. He just played out of his mind. But since then, it's just been a downward spiral for him in terms of his play. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the situation is because it's not like the defense has really changed. It's still Todd Bowles' defense. So I don't know why the level of play from Levante David has dropped, you know, since that 2020 playoffs. I mean, he just he, – the turnover plays aren't there. Even when he blitzes, he's not necessarily getting home as much. So, again, I just don't quite understand why um, – Devin White's play's gone down, but I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be mad if he's gone. We're here with Anthony Knockreiner. You bring up Mike Evans. If you're the front office, you go to him like, "Look, we want you back, but we're not going to break the bank. Like you're not. Look, you're not five year veteran. You're ten year eleven. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He's still one of the best players in the NFL, and he showed it yesterday. But do you have? If you're Mike Evans. It's got to be a team-friendly type deal. Like, he's going to get paid, but you're not getting a mega deal, right, Anthony? No, you give Mike Evans whatever the hell he wants, and maybe that's the fan in me. Mm. But you give Mike what whatever he wants. I mean, you figure it out. Again, if there's one player, if there's one player in Tampa right now that you're going to make it work, it's Mike Evans. Again, we're talking about Mike Evans, a sure ring of honor, or a sure ring of honor yeah. guy for Tampa in a future Hall of Famer. All right, you made a mistake when you let John Lynch go too early, all right? That broke, you know, Buccaneers fans' hearts, all right? Um, you know, you had Mike also. I mean, let, let's face it. When you look at the offensive players in the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I would probably say it's James Wilder and Jimmy Giles, and then, 
You know, Doug Williams is there, but he's more known with Washington. I mean, you talk about true offensive players that fans love. It's Mike Allstott and it's Mike Evans. And you make it work. You figure it out. I don't care if you got to defer money, you know, down the line. We did that with Tom Brady. Let's do it with Mike Evans. I don't care what happens. Keep number 13 in Tampa Bay. Make sure he's only wearing red and pewter for the rest of his career. You make a guy like him a one-team guy. You do not let him get out. All right, because I'm going to tell you right now, you throw whatever you got to, because I bet you any money, Kansas City's going to be looking at him. And I'm already seeing, you know, people saying, you know, if Mike Evans wants to leave, the Bucks need to let him leave, you know, let him go someplace, let him go chase a ring. Like, no, no, no. Tampa needs to keep him there. I mean, Mike Evans even said it yesterday. You know, he wants Baker Mayfield as his quarterback, and he wants to be back in Tampa. So the Blazers just need to make it happen. I mean, you were worried about his age, and I understand Shaq Barrett didn't play well after 30 and some of these guys, but Mike Evans has been available. He's been consistent. And honestly, he's the reason this offense even got going in the beginning of the year. All right, Rashad White came on late. It was all Mike Evans in those first, first half of the season in terms of the wins. If Mike Evans wasn't making plays, Tampa Bay really didn't win the ball game. Outside of maybe New Orleans, Mike Evans helped Tampa Bay win a bunch of football games early on in the year. So, no, Tampa needs to do whatever it takes to keep Mike Evans in Tampa Bay and in that red uniform. I like the answer. We're here with Anthony Knockreiner. Okay, I'll flip it on you. How impressed are you by the Detroit Lions, who have a history of never winning, and now they're in the NFC Championship game? Listen, you got to give Detroit a ton of credit. I think they've done everything the right way. Um, I think, honestly, Tampa Bay's kind of built themselves similar to Detroit. I think that the way they've played, the way they've built, you got to give a ton of credit to the front office and Dan Campbell, but that offensive line is one of the best in, in, uh, in the NFL. You know, Penny Sewell, all pro at right tackle. Frank Ragnar, one of the top centers. I mean, they have a really, really good offensive line. They didn't let Jared Goff uh, get hit a whole bunch. And, you know, we saw the game Saturday night. You can neutralize that pass rush for San Francisco. Green Bay was able to, and they don't have nearly the offensive line that Detroit does. So I give a ton of credit to the Detroit Lions. Listen, I didn't like Detroit. I hated Detroit yesterday. But at the end of the day, I am happy for them. I know plenty of Detroit Lions fans that are just thrilled the ride they're on right now. Can't really complain about that. I've seen my team win two Super Bowls. So, I'm, listen, I'm happy for Detroit fans. It's a great story. Uh, but I think they've done it the right way. I give a ton of credit to Dan Campbell. They've really built everything within house, and they've hit on a lot of guys. I mean, Jack Campbell, Sam LaPorta this year. I mean, I think he was a second-team All-Pro, or at the very least an All-Pro. So, again, they've hit. They've built it the right way. It's not like they have a bunch of key free agents. They've drafted guys, and they've really hit well in the draft. Now, they are going to have to pay him, so this ride probably doesn't need to end yeah. in a Super Bowl trophy because you're going to have to pay Jared Goff in two years. You're going to have to pay Penny Sewell soon. You've got to pay Aiden Hutchinson soon. You've got to pay, uh, you might have to pay Amon uh, Ross St. Brown here pretty soon. You've got guys that are going to come due with big paychecks, so Detroit needs to take advantage of this run right now. You brought up San Francisco and the Packers. That game was like three hours of just like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then Brock Purdy made the place late. They win. What did you think of that, that game on Saturday night? Missed opportunities. Mark, if you look at the entire weekend, it was missed opportunities. The teams that lost missed opportunities. Look at Green Bay. They had two times a chance to intercept the football. They didn't do it on defense to put the game away. They didn't do it. And then they had a chance to extend it. Missed the field goal. Look at Buffalo this past weekend. Missed field goal. Look at Tampa Bay. Missed field goal. Missed catching interception. Missed opportunities to turn the ball over. So I, I look at Green Bay, young football team, but they missed. 
they missed and whiffed on opportunities, and they kept and let San Francisco hang around, and that was very poor in in their decision making. Because again, I I just didn't understand uh, why Green Bay continued to let them hang around. They should have had you know again that interception too. San Francisco gets that interception, uh, you know, not the second one, but the first one yeah. early on when they're driving. If you don't turn the ball over there and you let, and if they even get a field goal at that point, I think you're starting to put the finishing nail in the coffin of the San Francisco 49ers. But again, another missed opportunity where Jordan Love could go down there and try and extend the lead, whether by field goal or touchdown, and instead they turn the ball over, and that's how San Francisco gets back in the game. You're probably like me where Saturday night I'm watching that game, and I'm on Twitter on my phone. And people are just destroying Brock Purdy, destroying him. But then he made the plays late, won the game. He had that throw. He, he, like, threw it up, and Juwan Jennings caught it in traffic. And you're like, okay, we got something. I'm asking this question to everyone. So you're up, Anthony Knockreiner. So is Purdy good? Is he bad? What is he exactly? Well, I think our conversation around quarterbacks is just just beyond stupid. I think we've gotten so enamored with the, you know, first take and having the hot takes and everything that we, yeah. I mean, because here's my problem. Brock Purdy didn't play great, but he played well enough. He made the plays when he needed to. You know, I mean, Josh Allen's got a ton of playoff victories because I know everyone's kicking him in the teeth right now. You know, it's tough. He's lost to, he's lost to Kansas City three times. How many times did Peyton Manning lose to New England yeah. in the playoffs before he finally was able to, to take down New England. I mean, I think we need to have a, a better conversation around quarterbacks because it doesn't make any sense because there's no consistency in the conversation. Brock Purdy stinks, but he's won multiple playoff games now. He's got more wins than Lamar Jackson does, and Lamar Jackson didn't play great Saturday. I mean, Houston's defense really wasn't anything to sneeze about, and he struggled for three quarters. But Lamar Jackson getting all the praise. He's, I mean, I don't know how he's going to get the MVP. I don't think his, his numbers are not even close to what his first MVP was, but – Whatever, he's going to be a two-time MVP likely. But you're killing Josh Allen, but we're praising Lamar Jackson, even though Lamar Jackson has fewer playoff wins than Josh Allen. And obviously the pressure's on Lamar Jackson this weekend to get to the Super Bowl. Maybe they will against Kansas City because it'll be another road game. It'll be a home playoff game for Baltimore. But, again, this conversation why we have to kill quarterbacks if they don't make it in the postseason, I just don't understand it. Sometimes they're just guys that play better than you. I mean, look at Jordan Love. He played a great game outside those two picks. Yeah. I mean, he made some impressive throws. And people were killing Jordan Love afterwards. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a Tom Brady performance from every single quarterback that plays in the playoffs. And it doesn't mean that we need to kill him on social media or in a debate topics afterwards. Somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. Yes. Josh Allen will eventually find a way to beat Kansas City. I believe the Buffalo Bills will eventually get that done. Kansas City's got their own issues. They're lucky they got this far. Um, but, I mean, let's just let's just look at the AFC and how tough it is in terms of their quarterback. You've got great quarterbacks in the AFC. You have Lamar. You have Joe Burrow when he's healthy. You have Patrick Mahomes, who's always such a tough player. Josh Allen willed that team to the playoffs when they were everybody thought they were dead. So let's stop killing quarterbacks in the debate topics and acting as if they can't go win it. Uh, I'm sure everybody does it for ratings and, you know, it's, Whatever, but either way, I think uh, I think Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. I think he's going to be just fine. We'll see how he plays with the you know playing playing against Detroit um, again. Detroit's defense is nothing. That, I mean, at least in the secondary, if Brock Purdy's got time, he's going to carve up that secondary just like Mayfield did. So I mean, that's something that I think will be really interesting to watch when we get to the game this weekend. But I think Brock Purdy's good. We got a lot of good quarterbacks. 
We Again, do. Only one quarterback hoists the Super Lombardi Trophy every single year. Only one quarterback, you know? Well said. We're here with Anthony Knockreiner. I know you're angry by your Buccaneers. You know what I you know what I took out of that game yesterday? It's like just get into the playoffs. Just get in. And then anything's possible. Because we had Detroit and Tampa Bay in the second round. We didn't no one knew that was gonna happen. Just get in. Sa- same thing with Kansas City. Kansas City people have been dogging them all year. They're not as good as they've been in years past. Well, guess what? They got in and now they're hot and they're playing their best football. And they can go to Baltimore and win that game. Do you feel this way where it's kind of this March Madness feel right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about momentum in the playoffs. How many teams have we seen over the years that all they need is momentum to go into the playoffs, that little bit of belief, and all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing them that we're seeing them where we didn't think they'd be, you know, that deep of the playoff team, but there they are either in the Super Bowl or in the title game. I mean, it's crazy. There's a reason why that this thing doesn't go chalk, you know, every single year. That's why we don't always see the number one seeds in the no. Super Bowl. You may see that this year, and according to NFL script writers and conspiracy theorists, it might already be the number one seeds in there if you want to believe that stuff. Um, but either way, I think that it's just one of those things where it's fun for the playoffs. You need the mojo. I mean, look at Tampa. Tampa was four and seven going into December, right. and they go like five and one. Dude, if the they of December, and all of a sudden they're winning the NFC South. If they would have played better in the 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 middle part of the season. Maybe they're hosting the NFC Championship game with a better record. They're just it's right there. It's right there. I know. It's, cr- it's crazy. The the Buffalo Bills, and I could be wrong, Anthony. It reminds me reminds me of your Buccaneers with Tony Dungy, where you got the talent, you're in the playoffs, but you can't get over the hump. Like you're close. And then you make the con- <laughs> like you make the controversial move and you go get John Gruden and give up a first round pick. I, there's a part of me I kind of feel that way with Buffalo, where I they're close. Something's missing here, though, to get them over the hump. No, I agree with you. My my boss is a big Buffalo Bills fan, and I felt bad for him. I sent him a text message last night saying, "Sorry, man." I, but I think you're right, though. I think it's a, a very, very, uh, very good comparison. Sean McDermott just can't get past Kansas City. No, I mean, you want to give Josh Allen all the uh, you know all the flack for it, but Sean McDermott's defenses can't seem to keep. Patrick Mahomes out of the end zone. I mean, how do they go with two touchdowns to Travis Kelsey? Now, again, I know the defense was pretty much a mash unit. They were on their fifth and sixth linebackers uh, because they had so many injuries. But, I mean, here, here's the deal. If I'm Buffalo, I think I made contact with representatives of Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, because I know he's been linked to a lot of jobs. But I see if I get him, because I give Ben Johnson a lot of credit yesterday. That third and one play where they just snuck the tight end across, and they pick up the big first down where Tampa thought they were going to run. Ben Johnson was on his uh, was on his game yesterday in terms of play calling, switching things up, attacking where the Bucks didn't have anybody. I think if I'm if I'm the Bills, I make a phone call and see if he'd be interested because I think you've gone as far as you can with Sean McDermott. I mean, the Bills are going to be forty million dollars over the cap, and they're going to have to make some decisions on some key guys. And you come up with nothing for this run. I mean, again, it's great to get in the tournament, but how frustrating is it to lose? It's the same awful. Over again? That's, it, that's how Bucks fans felt because they lost two times in a row to the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was it was not good. It wasn't fun, so they made a decision. I think the Bills have that similar decision to make because, again, I think they, like you said, Mark, I think they've gotten as far as they can with Sean McDermott. I agree. And Andy Reid runs circles around McDermott. Just he's so much better. He knows that you could see it. You, you just it's one of those things. The eye test. Kansas City knows how to win. 
They know how to win these games. And they did yesterday. There was weird mojo in the fourth quarter where Buffalo felt like they were winning the game. Like, they, oh, we have the lead. No, you don't. That's why I don't blame the kicker for the missed kick. That was a whole organization. They don't know what to do. Lost the four Super Bowls. Now they can't get over. They can't get over Kansas City like you're saying. They can't slay the dragon. And by the way, the hater in me loved seeing the Packers lose. I hope you know that. Loved it. <laughs> and I know, I know you saw my post on Facebook. Packers were put on this planet to do two things. Embarrass the Bears in the regular season and choke big playoff games. And they do it every year. Every year. Remember, what's the one time since 2000 have they broken through and got to the Super Bowl? When they beat the Bears in the NFC Championship game. And don't you forget it, Anthony. That's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, man, it's it's tough. But I think that uh, you're right. Because right now, Green Bay just... They get there. They get in the playoffs. But, I mean, they had San Francisco. You right have there. a chance to slay the number one seed, and you couldn't do it. And that's on Green Bay, again, defensively. I know they keep investing in that defense. But, again, you got guys that can't hold on to the football and, and make turnover-worthy dude, plays. Dude, I know you don't want to hear this. This is every team in the NFL. Don't give me this like, oh, we'll be better next year. We'll have more chances. You never know. You just you don't know. You could be three and fourteen nope. next year. You have no idea. Unless you have Patrick Mahomes or before it was Tom Brady, you have no idea what you're gonna do next year. Cause go look at Jacksonville. Hey, we got Trevor Lawrence, we won a game in the playoffs, we're gonna be great. Nope. Didn't make the playoffs this year. You don't know, Anthony. Any of this. No, I mean, like I said, I feel optimistic today, but I mean who knows what happens next season. Again, for the Bucks. But you don't know. I mean, here's the deal. That's the optimistic fan. But you're right, though. It, it, it could absolutely change. It could absolutely change. You could be the Jaguars at eight and three, and then all of a sudden you don't even make the playoffs. So, no, I, I completely agree. It's nothing guaranteed in this world unless you, like you said, have Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, you anything can happen. And like I said, that's what I feel for Bills fans. I mean, and that's what most of the city Detroit fans. You don't know when the next time it's going to happen. Because I'm sure in 1991, they didn't think that, oh, this is going to be the last playoff win this century and for at least the first 23 years of the next century. Okay, so, trivia. I mean, trivia. Trivia, and I'll let you go. Who did Detroit play in that NFC Championship game, which they lost? See, I know this one because it's Washington. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. And that's yeah, well, less- the harder one would be who they beat. I don't remember who they beat in the playoffs to get there. Dallas. So did they have a first round bye? Yeah, did, 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 I think they. Wild card I round? think they did. I think they had Dallas then and then lose to Washington. Mark Rippon was the quarterback. It was when they were still the Redskins. Yes, this is actual fact. Oh man, it's been a while. And you know what? That's the last time Washington's gone that far in the playoffs. <laughs> Like crazy. That's true. That is nuts. Who's got the longest playoff drought? I think it's the Dolphins now with a win. Uh, 2000. Oh, for a win. Yeah. Yeah. Because what was that? Wasn't that win like Dan Marino's last win in the playoffs too? Yeah. And then they lost to Jacksonville. Man, that's, that is wild. His name is Anthony Knockreiner. My man, thank you for your help and have a great day. Appreciate it, Mark.